0: hello and welcome to the pac mag parents podcast your place to laugh and learn everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier without further ado let's welcome our hostess with the most s brie james
1: as an avid reader i know the difference the words on those pages have made in my life and the learning i have experienced which is why when presented with the following statistic my heart sank for everything those involved are missing out on because according to the Australian government style manual, 44% of adults read at a literacy level one to two, which is only understanding short, clear sentences, which is primary school level reading. Now to help explain what this means and how we can help and ensure our children don't slip through the cracks, internationally acclaimed, multi-award winning author, researcher and educator, Brian Caswell joins us to discuss the importance of teaching your child to read and how we can do so effectively and how this can help them later in life. Let's get him on Zoom.
0: It's time to get to class.
1: Great to have you back on the podcast, Brian. Now, just for those tuning in, Brian is the Dean of Research and Programme Development at Mindchamps uh, Preschool Limited. So tell me, Brian, um, firstly, let's discuss that statistic of 44% of adults reading to a literacy level of one to two. What does that mean? And why do you think this statistic is so high? It's quite um, frightening. It, it, the
0: interesting thing is, um, when, we, when we have a look at statistics like that, it's it sort of brings us back to the, to reality a little bit because what um what we find in when we have discussions of literacy with children is we're always looking at statistics and saying how um reading levels are going down and um children are you know are um nowhere near the readers that we were when we were their age and all of those sorts of um beliefs but when you actually look at the statistics as you can see from this one Reading has never been um, successfully taught. It's never been a a, a universal, um, enthusiastic pursuit for most people in in, uh, society. Um, When we look at, at, you know, why it's important to to have uh, strong literacy skills uh, for for this generation, I mean, we, we can talk about why literacy skills are actually more important for this generation, perhaps, than they've ever been before. Because literacy in young people um, is not just about being able to read text and, and make sense of it. It's about being able to think. You see, when we read, the more we read, the more we are able to develop our critical thinking skills, our predictive skills, our analytical skills. And... In a world where the internet dominates and and you have um, all, all the different, uh, what do they call them? Um, I, I've got a, a mental block this morning, but um, the, the conspiracy theories that, that decide whether somebody believes in, say, vaccines or someone believes in um, the, the efficiency of a, of a democracy or something like that. All of those require us to be thinkers. And the more that we're dominated by by an internet which doesn't really test any of the uh, information that's on it, the more we have to develop the thinking skills, the the critical uh, thinking and analytical thinking skills. And the only way to do that really is to develop your proficiency in language um, through reading uh, because reading demands far more of our language than conversation does. while it's been an endemic problem forever. I mean, I, I wrote a, an article in 1994 on exactly this uh, about um, you know people worrying so much about the de- decline in literacy in 1994, and I said that you know the only way that we would really know if there was a decline in literacy was to was to give the same reading test we give to our kids to their parents. Um, And you would find exactly these um, statistics way back then. So it it isn't a new problem. It's just that perhaps the environment we live in makes it more important now to develop good literacy skills in in children than ever before.
1: Yeah, and I love that um, reflection on the critical thinking because there is so much misinformation out there, but we don't know whether it's misinformation or not. And that's where that critical thinking needs to come into play Um, because I guess, You know, adults are impacted and affected by having low literacy levels. How do you think that impacts their lives? Because I guess, you know, nothing's worse than you don't understand when your child's homework comes in and you can't help them. And you're homeschooling uh, grandchildren right now. So I'm sure you're going back to a few things. You're like, oh, goodness me, how do I, how do we do this? I can't remember. So, you know, I guess adults living with low literacy, how do you think that's impacting their lives?
0: Well, it means that they're much more easy to manipulate, for a start. So, uh, politicians, marketers, um, conspiracy theorists—you uh, know, whoever you want to talk about—have um, a much better chance of influencing you if you if you're not a reader, if if your reading level is is at a very low level, because it means that um, the language that you can control is so much less uh, sophisticated, and therefore you can't make distinctions that someone with a with a better grasp of literacy can um, so you're much more likely to be influenced and of course it then becomes a cyclic thing because if if you have parents who don't read then you have children who don't read and therefore um, the cycle keeps going um, families that read have children that read and those children have children that read and, and um, you you get this differentiation between families which is unnecessary because anybody can be learn to become a great reader and an enthusiastic one
1: yeah I agree I mean I think in this day and age we can learn so much through you know through online with through reading articles and through books and things like that I think it's um, we're in such an opportunity state of the world right now where we can learn so much if we have that thirst for knowledge and that thirst for reading how do you think we can improve this statistic for future generations including our own children I mean like you said monkey see monkey do I'm an avid reader so my children are as well but I know that's not the same in every household
0: Yeah, and and as I said, it never has been. So um, basically, what we have to do is to make reading something that a child from the very beginning, from almost from birth, well, definitely from birth, um, finds as a part of their life an enjoyable, exciting, engaging, and uh, nurturing part of their life. If if the daily or you know by daily. experience of reading is is positive it it um engenders sort of feelings of love and happiness and uh, engagement then that child will become a reader they, they become a reader before they can actually decode words the problem that we have is that we focus so much on phonics and decoding and being able to um say the words that we forget that that's only 20 percent of reading um, phonics is it's essential i mean to be able to uh, turn the symbols into sounds is an essential skill but how you come to that essential skill is the key if you come to it through drill and rote learning what we call drill and kill then you get a person who can decode words who will never read anything by choice they are not a reader they are a decoder and um, they are the, the people who end up in that uh, below the 44% um, um, statistic, because reading like anything else is, um, is improved through practice. And if you don't practice, you don't get
1: better at it. So, how can we, uh, I guess, encourage children to read more? Is there any advice and tips there? I'm, I'm grateful, you know, because my husband's not a reader, and I'm a reader, and thankfully, both of my kids they love reading. Um, have you got? I don't know how I've done it though. So, <laughs> have you got any? Have you got any tips for those listening, listening, um, as to how you can encourage your children to get more into yeah, there, reading?
0: Yeah, there, there's a few very simple um, things. So, you know, I have a, a sort of five point approach that that I tend to to share with parents when when we talk about it. Uh, The first one is to basically to read with your child. And and there's a difference between reading with your child and reading to your child. Uh, Reading with your child is basically to encourage them to put themselves into the into the story or the the book that you're reading to ask what we call generated questions questions which generate an answer as opposed to a yes or no so uh, a question like uh, how do you think chester feels when he sees this or what would you do if you came to face, face-to-face with the Gruffalo? Or, you know, do you think Elise was right to do that? So you, you get children thinking about what, what the story is about. So they, they put themselves into the story. You can only do that if you read with them, if you make them a part of the process. It's very tempting to, to sit there and read the words on the page to, to a child. And that will satisfy for about two minutes um as many parents (laughs) will realize that the attention span disappears very quickly if all they're being asked to do is be a passive um listener but if you start asking questions if you if you use the the pictures you don't forget that the children's uh, picture books are designed to develop uh, visual literacy as well as, as language literacy um, so you talk about the pictures you ask questions if it's a very small chart you just get them to name what you point to or point to what you name um, to tell you something about the, uh, the illustration that's there what do you think those the same questions you know how what does Jester look like in this picture what's he feeling Why do you think he's feeling that way? So you get that involvement, but that's reading with a child. And it's the interaction that makes reading fun, not being an audience to a storyteller. If you're a really good reader, then storytelling can be exciting as well as a part of the process of actually putting on the voices and and acting things out. But then you get the child to do the same thing. If, If you've read the book a couple of times, then the child knows some of the lines, especially if it's a really well-written picture book and it's got the repetition and the and the patterning of language in it, that the child can then start to predict what the next thing might be or remember what it was last time they read it. And then they can give you back some of that. That's reading with children, and that's a really important start. Um, and the next thing is, uh, as we talked about, being the example, um, Albert Schweitzer once said that, that adults teach children in three important ways. The first is by example. The second is by example. And the third is by example. <laughs> um, which, which I thought was a really good one. But my, my favourite um, uh, statement on that was, was Robert Fulgham. I don't know if you, if you know him. He, he wrote uh, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, which is a great book. Um, but he, he said this. He said, don't worry that your children never listen to you. Worry that they're always watching you.
1: Ooh, that's um, a good one.
0: You know, um, telling kids that reading is important when you never read a book is a bit like standing there with a cigarette in your hand and saying smoking's bad. Um, it doesn't, the, the, the two things don't gel and, and children are very quick to pick that up. So you've got to make books an integral part of the fabric of your life together. You know, you, you should have at least half an hour a day where you're just, it's just you, your child and the book or 10 books, or however many they want. And, you know, it's working when they go to the bookshelf and bring back their favourite book and ask you to read it. That's when it's starting to work. If you have to drag them there and sit them down and say, this is good for you, um, then it's not working. So it's got to be a part and and they've got to see you reading, not just reading with them, but they got to see that reading is an important part of your life, whether it's a newspaper or a magazine or a book or whatever. Have a time where you read what you want or need to read and sit down and have them read their book, even if they're they're not yet at the decoding stage, they still love, I've got a two year old at home, who we've got a, a whole library of, of first reader books in, in our bedroom. And what happens is she runs in, she runs across to the to the um, bookshelf, grabs it, comes on the bed, and points to each of the pictures, apple, uh, shoes, coat, hat, it's reading. It's not narrative it's not story but it's reading she understands that what's on the page it's pictures for her it's not the words obviously but um that what's on that page is important it's knowledge it's recognition it's pattern recognition that becomes reading as as time goes on but only if she goes to that bookshelf and picks up the books um the third thing is that it doesn't have to be books it just doesn't have to only be books rather um you can um you, you see Uh, there's a a statement by um, the British educationist um, uh, James Britton, who he said, reading and writing floats on a sea of words. And what he meant by that was that we only come to reading by being masters of the spoken language, living in an environment where where words are important. So um, when it comes to language, speaking to children... Uh, reciting poetry to children, um, reading things aloud, um, looking at environmental language on signs, and I mean, there isn't a kid in Australia who doesn't drive, drive past the Golden Arches and say McDonald's. I mean, you know, they they understand that language. A written language means something from the very beginning so you make the most of that you have games in the car where you you point to things and and um or when you're out walking or when you're in the park you read the signs together and and talk about why the signs there or what it, whatever it happens to be get children to understand that written language is a part of their environment a part of their life um, so supermarkets um advertising billboards any of those sorts of things so, so you know get kids to recognize that there are words all around us and and the the last thing basically is to be present in your children's lives um, it's too easy and, you know, we, we've got so many demands on our time and, and so many extraneous um, places where, we, um, where, where our attention is taken. So when you and your kids are together, be truly together. Uh, resist looking at your phone or your, or your iPad or, or whatever it is. Uh, we managed to exist for thousands of years without being umbilically connected to the internet. Um, the more time we spend with our children face-to-face, language only works face-to-face, by the way. Um, children don't learn language unless there is another person. And I'm talking about the mastery of language and, and the more complex aspects of language. They don't learn that from a TV screen. Um, all of the science shows that when, when children are watching a TV screen, even if, it's, if that is designed as a language exercise, they pick up virtually nothing. But if you do exactly the same thing face-to-face with a real person, then it, it connects. Our brains are wired to, to learn socially. Um, so therefore, you know, our job, our duty as parents is to be social with our children. And that means putting the phones away. Um, one um, technique that a lot of families have, have um, learned to use is what we call the vault. Um, and it, it can actually be a very fun and focusing um, thing. The vault is simply a container. It can be a Tupperware container or a bag or a, a box or whatever. And at certain times of the day, say meal times, reading time, you know, family time, games and karaoke night, whatever it happens to be, all of the electronic devices get put in the vault. They, they get turned down or turned off. The vault is closed and, and, and those devices disappear for a period of time. Um, you find very quickly that you actually, the world doesn't stop if you put your phone away for an hour. Um, And that with no digital distractions, everyone's free to talk. They share stories about their day. They tell jokes, they solve riddles. And of course, they read. And all of those things are necessary really to create a reading friendly environment in the house.
1: I love that. I just want to touch on something you mentioned um, a bit before with that face-to-face that children learn better, um, language better through that face-to-face interaction. So how do you think children that are doing all of this online learning right now in isolation are going?
0: It's not good. Um, It's a necessary evil, obviously, because you've got to do something. But the best online learning is where the teacher is actually on the screen talking directly to them. It's not ideal because the brain doesn't process the flat screen image the same way as it processes a real face. But um, school-aged kids, if they've got a familiar face, they're talking directly to them, not recorded and, um, and reciting. Um, A a face on screen that interacts with them, asks them questions, and with Zoom, it's really good because they can get get to give answers back, which is great. Um, It's certainly better than just watching a video and trying to um, make sense of it because your brain just switches off. So it's not as passive as say watching TV because there is an interactive quality about it, and there is a question and answer and um, all of that. So. It's not as, as good as being in the same room as the person, but it's also um, better than, as I said, than just a recorded um, presentation. Class, yep. Yeah. But um, different uh, online learning is being done in different ways. And some of it is just basically for, for very good reasons. I mean, you, you can't always have that sort of uh, Zoom interactive um, situation happening. But where possible, online learning should be in that uh, interpersonal way because otherwise you lose a lot of the um, potential.
1: It's so interesting because I guess, you know, there is – you know people going oh well, you know will schools move to being permanently online where children are learning um in that different um sort of world so i, I think sincerely for- hope not. <laughs> yes well you're homeschooling at the moment as you said so i guess um you know i guess there's going to be some research more research done on the impacts of uh how the children are learning in that online space which um yeah it's, it's intriguing so thank you for sharing that little bit of uh insight there so what are some things that parents can do to foster a love of learning in books and in their homes? You mentioned a few there. Um, board games like Scrabble and things like that?
0: Look, anything at all that um, gets people interacting with language. Um, so so the obvious ones like Scrabble and Boggle and and. Uh, word games where you start building up words Um, kids get really involved in that especially if you can have a dictionary next to to them and they're they're allowed to sort of go through the dictionary and learn how to use a dictionary Um, because a lot of kids uh with with sort of online um aids Um, with their writing, for example, never use a dictionary for spelling anymore. They just hit spell check. Um, But dictionaries have a lot more in them than just how to spell the word. They have meanings. They have sources. And, and, you know, if you you teach a kid that dictionaries are actually fun, you know, if you've got a word you don't know, you look it up and then you find out what its roots are and you find all these other things. Um, You get kids interested in how language is formed. Um, That's that's for a little older kids, obviously, not for preschoolers. (laughs) But um, all of those sorts of things. And it's not just um, word games. Playing any game with a child involves... A lot of language and instructions and and um being able to make sense of what it is you're doing and and to uh, develop a sophisticated understanding of the game so playing card games um with with kids um develop numeracy uh, skills as well as language skills um we tend to uh use electronics as, as babysitters um, and everybody does it because it, you know it is uh, sometimes in a very busy life it, it, it is a bit easier but we have to be careful with that that we we're, we're not losing that uh, socializing um, influence which is probably our, our most important role as parents.
1: So true, so true. It's a tough one because you know the first thing they say is but my friends are allowed and I'm like, yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, I know, and um, that's good for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually not good for them. But no. Yeah, you know, the, the, if you look at the research, you know, um, in terms of what's healthy screen time for children, uh, it's very low. Um, half an hour, an hour a day is as much as. What what you have to realize with screen time, especially, is that. Our brains develop through experience. Our brains develop by doing and by by interacting with the environment around us, our information. We build neural networks according to what comes in. And the problem that most people don't realise about screen time is that watching a screen changes your brain um, function. It, it actually, um, if you're watching television, for example, after... I forget what the exact time is, but it's it's less than 15 minutes. Your brain rhythms, your brain waves actually switch over to a passive mode and they become, um, you, you stop thinking in the same way. And if you've watched television for two or three hours, it takes the brain a certain amount of time to come back to normal function um, after you've switched the TV off. So you are actually affecting the way that the brain is operating um, when you're on screen. So the longer you're on screen, the more uh, the habit of passivity um, is ingrained into the neural networking of your brain. So over a period of time, you think less. You, you, you um, become less um, critical of the information that's coming in because you're in a passive mode. You're not thinking about what you're watching. Um, even if you're watching documentaries and uh, educational stuff, it still switches off the, the uh, critical fat- faculties of your brain, the, the, the actual interactive faculties of your brain, because there's no social interaction. Our brains are, uh, are tuned to an environment well before... I mean, our brains evolved a million years ago. Um, they haven't changed all that much in a million years, and they were were attuned to reading the social signals and um, interacting with people, because there wasn't anything else to interact with. And that's how our brains are wired. So when they become hijacked by a technology which isn't social interaction, then they they switch into a different mode and, and don't work as effectively, basically.
1: It's so intriguing and you and I always uh, seem to go down a rabbit hole and um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can't help happens. ourselves.
1: We do it every single time. But there's so yeah. much, uh, I guess, you know, that's impacting our children from that literacy and it is that um, distraction media, you know, um, which is that, you know, device and hopping online and I guess yeah. it's, um, it's a well, challenge.
0: I, I guess what it is, you see, is that we we tend to think of literacy as opening a book and reading lines of, of text. And that isn't the full extent of literacy. We bring, uh, what I always said, you know, when I was giving talks on, you know, as a, as a novelist, you, you get to talk a lot about writing. In fact, you get to talk more about writing than you write. But um, when, when I was talking to, to uh, people about writing, what I always said was that as a novelist, you write, uh, you create fifty percent of the story. The other fifty percent is created by the reader. The reader owns that story. The reader creates the story in their own mind. And ten people can read the same book, and they're all reading a different book yeah. because what they bring to the story is just as important. And so, when we think about literacy in children, we've got to realize that literacy is is one of the jigsaw puzzles. The, the actual ability to read, I mean, it's one of the jigsaw puzzles of literacy, but it's experiences, it's, it's outside influences, it's social influences, it's all of these other things that make reading what it is for any individual child. And if we ignore all the other things and just focus on phonics, then we get a decoder who never reads a book and becomes one of the 44%
1: hmm We've given us lots to think about today, so thank you so much. Any parting words to our listeners right now, um, in regards to helping children develop a love of books and learning?
0: Well, all I can say is that I, I'm not going to focus on the kid. I'm going to focus on the parent. Um, we, a lot of parents that I've talked to uh, over many years have have said the same thing. They come back later on and they talk to me and they say, you know we now have a reading time at home we have a half hour or an hour a day where we we read together um or you know in the same room and they always they said almost without uh, change that they uh they, that is the best time of the day for me not for my child my child is loving it but it's the best time of the day for me because i get to connect with my child in a way that i wasn't doing before a very personal very relaxing and enjoyable and nurturing way and um, you know the more you develop that um, habit that reading habit with your child uh, the better it is for both of you
1: Perfect I love it time to get reading parents uh, and and hanging out with our kids uh in a, in a more meaningful way i love it thank you so much brian for being on the show um I, I think there's about 14 other podcast episodes that we can do from uh, just from this one <laughs> and dive <time, laughs> deeper on in the future but uh brian's written over 300 books so go and check them out um is there anywhere people can go for more information brian um mind champs yeah
0: if, if you go onto the um, mind champs website um you know there are some um things here that, that can lead you into other directions as well but um yeah that, that's probably the best
1: place best place well thank you so much for all your incredible insights as per usual i can't wait to get you back on the show soon
0: okay Thanks, Preet.
1: thanks for listening to today's show If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a
0: weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website,
1: pacmag.com.au.